Welcome to The Story Tinker, a place for in-depth analysis of stories, including Midnight Poppyland, Purple Hyacinth, and more. Co-hosted by sharp, witty, and dare I say, thirsty fans, we dive deep into every episode, analyzing character, relationship development, and plot theories. You can follow The Story Tinker on all podcast platforms and videos of most episodes on YouTube. You can also follow The Story Tinker on Instagram and Facebook. If you'd like weekly bonus content, sneak peeks, and more, you can support The Story Tinker on Patreon. Thanks for listening to The Story Tinker, and let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode two of Purple Hyacinth with Bundin and Fu. Hello. Hello. And you've both been on, so I guess you don't have to introduce yourselves anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so this episode is called Somber Silhouette and starts out with the moon casting its shadow over the city of Arthalus. And it's a very nice landscape. It looks like it's in this picture, at least on an island. So with, you know, the sea surrounding it. And it's got like some fortifications and towers and interesting architecture. So it looks really nice. And then we see Lauren running through the streets and we have the word assassins with blood splattered behind it. And you see somebody's bloody hand gripping a gun on the floor. And it says, for a decade, they terrorized our Hollis city. And you see this very ominous looking hand with nails. And no one had ever seen their leader. Terrorists. And you have a whole bunch of people um, with this masked, cloaked person um, with just their eyes peering out. Thieves. Killers. So you know, it's like all these people implying that you never kind of never know who it is. It could be anybody. These are people from all levels of society in this picture. And I, I feel, for me, I feel the implication is like you just don't know who to trust, which is true. Yeah. <laughs> and then you see this image of a man on lying on the ground, bloody. There's a knife stuck in his, a dagger stuck in his neck. A crowd around him, shocked. So you get this impression that this is just, you know, people terrorizing the city and it's arbitrary. You don't know what's, what's going to happen. And this is just, um, you know, something that everyone's frightened of. All united, we called them. And then you have a more images of blood and kind of these upside down, eerie, smiley faces. <laughs> we call them the Phantom Scythe. And that's also, everything's in a red, it's shadowy. It's, there's, it looks like there's some devil's horns at the end also. So that's the introduction. And that night, and then you have this symbol. It's the symbol. Yeah. Yeah. So that night they claimed another victim. And that's the introduction. So y'all want to talk about the symbol? Yeah. Like we went from, from what we talked about in the prologue, because that was the episode that I was last on. This mm-hmm. symbol with the hooded figure with the scythe going around, that was in the bottom of that picture with like the guy who was like strung up on that stake mm-hmm. and I I only noticed it when we were going through it for the podcast so I thought that was really cool how it was even planted from before I even saw it or noticed it and I, it just makes me think that there's a lot of things that are planted even in the beginning of the story that will mm-hmm. come to light later especially when the whole thing is said and done and we go back to reread it and see what we missed. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that is going to look after the whole series is done. Oh yeah, definitely. There's 
as the as we get farther into the story we start to pick up on more things that were hinted at in earlier episodes and um that's just the reweek oh god the reread value of of season one and probably season two as well once we get season three is just astounding um and it also the scene also really does add so much more to the world building as um it's lauren's narration most likely and we see we get better um views of the world like with the castle shot and we see more of its architecture and just how it has been operating for the past um decade and that really Mm -hmm. just helps immerse the reader into the world yep yep so and now we have purple hyacinth episode two and we are on white river street and there's again this you know old-fashioned car over there and you see um lauren there with two other people that if we remember, I'm pretty sure they were in the prologue as well, but we didn't really get to know them. And she says, Kim, Will, you were called in as backups too, and we're introduced Officer Lauren Sinclair, Patrol Unit 11th Precinct, our tallest police department. And then the blonde dude says, hey, Lauren, yeah, we must all live close to the crime scene. She goes, I think they would know. Now that I know, I'm just saying, I think they would they know that already. But anyway, <laughs> and that's Lieutenant William Hawks. He is also put on the patrol unit, 11th Precinct. And then I can't believe they call this in on a day off. We see our blue haired lady with a little wink already showing us her personality. And that is Sergeant Kim Liddell. And so Lieutenant, just go back to see their titles, Officer, Lieutenant, and Sergeant. And, <laughs> you know, and Kim's complaining, and for a simple hot inside, just because it happens to be in our precinct. And Will says nobody in the area knows, sorry, nobody knows the area better than we do which is nice to know that they are experts in that area. If we, if the culprit is still somewhere around here, we have the best chances of finding him. And she's like, I know, shut up, Lieutenant. So right from the start, you see they had a slightly contentious relationship, which doesn't strike you as genuinely contentious, but it's like this bantering, fake fighting. <laughs> you gotta love the banter between Kim and Will. You also get the sense that, you know, she's the more playful, goofy one. He's the more serious one. So obviously they clash there. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so she's um he says, I was only told that there was oh no, sorry, Lauren says, I was only told there was a murder and that the culprit escaped. William Will says the guys are on night duty are all busy with armed robbery on the other side of town. Detective March is supposed to join us more backup soon. And then there is a clack, and this woman rushes out of the door. She says, Help, please. I don't know what happened. Um, I, the lady, and she's panicking. And Will, in his exemplary professionalism, says, Miss, please try to stay calm. You're safe now. You did the right thing, calling us right away. Can you tell us what happened? Where's Mrs. Grayson? And I really like this. You know, he's completely professional. He is attending to her emotional needs and validating her and making her feel good while then immediately trying to get information about the crime and, you know, um, something, you know, relevant for right now for what he needs to do. So Will is highly capable. So that's great. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's de- yeah, he's definitely, like you said, a lot more professional than Kim is, who is rolling her eyes at a homicide. All right. Yeah. 
And this woman is crying and she says, I was having trouble sleeping. And we see her, a picture of her in bed. But then I heard sounds coming from Lady Grayson's room and we hear bam. She's, she hears a bam. She takes her candle and she's walking down the hallway and she says, I wanted to make sure everything was all right. But then I saw the blood, so much blood and she's stammering. And a limp hand sticking out of the door frame. And here we see the limp hand and it's covered in blood. And then we see her stricken face, so her horrified face, and she runs away. And, and she tells him, I ran away. I was so scared. And then that's not, it's the murder. Um, Lauren says our backup has arrived. And we see Lieutenant Hawks, what's going on here? That's Detective Oliver March. He is also from the 11th Precinct. And Will says, Detective March, good to see you. We're called in about the murder of Lady Grayson. We're just about to search the house. But then they hear a bang. And um, Kim says, a gunshot across the street. And Will says, shit. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I love that transition because when you're reading the episode, you have the music. And before it's the, just the kind of just normal music playing in the background that all or I can't even remember if there is music or I think it's silent actually so you're reading that you have no music and then you hit literally as you get to the bang you hear a gunshot and then this super intense music starts to play and it really does get you in the headspace of like oh something's happening and you begin to get caught up in everything and it just immerses you more into the plot and I think it's just a really great use of the music that selfism puts into the into the comic for us mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's awesome i love the sequence where we um see the maid um finding the dead body because like you can really sort of feel the horror of it and you don't even see uh, lady grayson's face it's just her hand and that is terrifying and you really feel what the maid is feeling in this scene Something you kind of realize as well when you're reading this is that, okay, Lauren's also listening to this and none of the text is in red. So you know 100% that this lady is telling the truth, that someone just broke in, killed this lady and left. So I like, especially again, like reread value, you know that, you know, she's not involved because maybe when you now start the story, you don't know to like look out when characters lie as much. But yeah, it's just very useful to see. Right, that's funny. Like when you reread it, you, like you're right. I didn't think about it, but now we mm-hmm. like I'm not. I don't read mysteries a lot, so I don't like naturally suspect people. But now knowing Papa High isn't, I would start suspecting everybody. So it's good to know that she was yeah saying the truth. So Will again, being professional, shoves the woman inside, and he says, "Miss, get inside and stay away from any windows." Again, like just protecting people. Good guy and. Then he immediately takes action. He says, Detective March, please protect the witnesses, which is, again, something that apparently is a concern. And he says, Lauren, Kim, with me. And they reach for their guns and they rush across the street. <laughs> very actiony, very intense. And um, they hear another bang. And then Lauren sees this whiz on the rooftops. Now, I think it's very funny that they're portrayed as whizzes because it's like a little... in inhumanely fast but it's funny and she says over there someone escaped through the windows and she basically she rushes after him whereas you know will's like lauren wait damn it kim follow me that might still be alive in there so he's heading back to the building while lauren is running after the suspect and 
it's actually a few people running after the suspect, but Lauren seems to be the only one who actually catches up with him. And, you know, she follows him on the roof. She's still running. The other police officers, she left them far behind. And she decides to climb onto the roof as well. So she climbs up on the roof and then she becomes a blur as well. <laughs> so I get the impression that Lauren is much faster of a runner than the other police officers. <laughs> yeah, so now um, she's actually made it to the same roof. And she's like, shit, he actually is fast. And we get a glimpse of this guy. He's, <laughs> we can already tell, he has his hair in a bun. And he's gone. Ugly, right? <laughs> I've actually persuaded my husband to finally grow his hair and he can now make a man bun. I'm so huh. happy. <laughs> my boyfriend used to have a man bun, except it was just because he was stuck offshore for like months. And like it got too long, and he sent me a picture yesterday. It was like, You look like a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, my husband is like not at all. He's, let's just say he's very conservative with his hairstyle normally. But, um, he, he's not into like, he's like an old man in that respect. He's like, ah, I don't want to do these stupid, dumb hairstyles mm. for like, you know, he, he thinks like men who care about their hair, they're like, I don't know, effeminate or something, you know? So. But I, I love long hair. So I begged him. It's been, we've been married for 11 years. So it's been 11 years Ooh. of begging to get to this point. So, <laughs> but anyway, I hope he appreciates that I stare at it every single day and admire it. So maybe that's a good motivator. Yeah, you just need to show him how much you like it and then he'll keep it around longer. I hope, I really hope. <laughs> anyway, so this guy has a man bun too. <laughs> and he's wearing an overcoat and gloves. And he's also, he actually sees some blood on him as well. And he's shooting ahead. Lauren's running after him. It's kind of also comedic, this whole, you know, like bouncing off the rooftop things. It's just funny. And um, she's gaining on him. She's almost there. He jumps off, he jumps on one roof and then Lauren does the same thing, which even when I first read it to me showed um, a parallelism between them because We'll see throughout the story, I think, a lot of parallels between the two. And this one, the fact that nobody has been able to catch him and Lauren's been the only one because she also has this fast running speed and rooftop familiarity. Um, so this like scene where they both jump over the roof in the same way, um, to me, was just like a little bit of foreshadowing. Yeah, no, they're both very similar. They're more similar than they give each other credit for. And maybe it's because they're so similar that they end up in doing what they do for the rest of the story mm -hmm. yeah i mean you have to give props to lauren she is just <laughs> becoming spider-man in this scene she must be she's like incredibly fit to like you know be jumping across these rooftops mm -hmm. she does and parkour. Great. yeah <laughs> and i like, don't go to the same parkour gym and they don't know <laughs> <laughs> Forget cafe, it's been the gym all along. <laughs> and um, okay, meanwhile, we go back to Will and Kim. Will bangs the door open. He says, let's go. They go in the house. The gunshots came from upstairs. Let's go upstairs. They're upstairs. And we go back to um, Lauren and the guy. And um, it seems that he is, he's standing on the edge of the roof. Looks like he's taking a minute to look. Um, we get a bit of a, another glimpse of him. Um, his eyes are shadowed, but we see his bun again and his messy hair. Um, he's wearing like a scarf or a cravat. Very elegant looking, I have to say. 
popped collar yeah all that stuff (laughs) yeah an edged overcoat and he's taking a moment right um I don't know if it's like the roof is ending or whatever but and Lauren is a little bit shocked you see her eyes widen behind her mask and he smiles he smirks that typical smirk will come to expect and in a very dramatic show, he can't just like jump off in a normal fashion. He extends his arm back- backwards, kind of reminds me of the Titanic, and then like falls forward. So dramatic, such a drama king. So not surprised that he did this. He's a little shit and we love him. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Mm. <laughs> and Lauren's hand is reaching out to catch him, which is nice. And, but then Lauren... Like, if you think I'll let you slip through my fingers, uh-uh, that ain't happening. <laughs> and she, you know, her, she furrows her eyebrows in determination and she jumps off in a much more normal fashion, by the way. <laughs> she doesn't That's have that dramatic flair. <laughs> she's not as extravagant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a little more pragmatic. And we go back to the, to the house. Um, William and Kim are in a room there's this bloody corpse on the bottom a little bit blurred out eyes are staring vacantly and you know will says sir are you all right and then he's like shit he's dead which we see as soon as we see the body with his you know frozen stare and kim like oh no surely he's just sleeping you know she like leans against will and she's like can't you see he's trying to charm you with how dropped that gorgeous he is so she is a little bit of an irreverent young lady <laughs> Um, and, you know, I don't know how much violence she sees in general, but this may, this is definitely like a lot of people have a macabre sense of humor. And for some people, it's um, a coping mechanism for, for dealing with what they have to see. It's possible that this is something that she does to protect her feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make it, make everybody else feel better. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also. Kind of like the mood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and William, like, Willie is shaded, so it looks like he does not really appreciate it. And he's like, shut up, Kim, it's not a joke. This murder looks like, and then she says, lieutenant. And Will has this more of a shocked face. And they go closer, and they see, Will says, it was him. Because, and then he says, he was here. Because we see, you know, we see this tiny little outline of a purple hyacinth Mm -hmm. on Aaron's hand. The faintest bit of petal which was obscured by a speech bubble in the first panel and also that perspective in that scene amazing oh, the the blur how it's the more blurry as it's further back and then it just comes into more focus as you go down yeah good perspective mm-hmm. and then in the he was here you can really see the panic in will's eyes especially with the the panel and the um, black lines around that panel and then kim she's panicked in like just a moment ago she was um you know all fun and games but now she looks genuinely terrified i think that's really smart on um the part of how they made the scene because they showed her joking and stuff before even for a murder but then once you realize that this murder is different whoever committed this crime is different seeing kim's reaction to just kind of drills it in to just how much of a big deal it is and how much danger is is around and how serious the situation is which I think is really smart yeah it's quite 
brilliant actually um just they don't even say who this person is like who killed this person and then we just see um will and kim terrified and then we see that lauren is chasing this person and suddenly the stakes have just like tripled and now we're scared for lauren and she doesn't realize who this person is and yeah it's it was a brilliant move on Soph and F's part and how they depicted it and how they wrote it. Yeah, it's kind of like um, the screenwriting. It's called, I can't remember the screenwriting thing. It's called Chekhov's Gun, which um, I think um, I think it's this guy Chekhov, but I think Hitchcock used it a lot as well. Basically, you in order to build suspense, you can't just put a bomb in a room and say that the bomb is in the room and is it's gonna go off like have everybody know it no only you know but Mm. nobody else in the room knows and you just know when it's gonna go off and seeing everybody act normally in the room and not knowing the bomb is there but you know that as the audience that it's there really builds the suspense so that is yeah like food said that Mm. is how you build suspense in a scene (laughs) nice yeah, so Lauren is chasing after him. It looks like they're by some sort of outdoor cafe because they're Kieran. I mean, sorry, the uh, the uh, the person. Um, again, in a show of dramatics, instead of just running in that space that is literally right there, he chooses to vault over some cafe picnic table. Oh, it's funny. Like he, you know, he'll slow himself down just to be dramatic, which is hilarious. Which <laughs> a show off. It's like he's taunting her. It's like, mm-hmm. I can do all this and still be in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> he's definitely teasing her because he knows she's there. And he does realize that, like, he probably does realize that he is kind of under threat, like, if she does catch up to him. But he's just so sure of himself that she won't. We love a mm-hmm. confident man. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and now back to Kim, Lauren, she's screaming, Lauren, I have to stop her. She'll get killed, right? So we see again how serious a threat this is that even Kim is upset. And we go back to Lauren and the dude and she's like, ha, dead end, which also is funny. Like it's a juxtaposition between killed and dead end. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. dead, dead end, he stopped and she's like, I've got you now. But of course he tries to climb up and she tries to climb up the roof. And then they start engaging in a physical scuffle. She launches herself up on top of him somehow, which is again, the the popcorn gym. Yeah, superpowers. And he starts falling down. And, but while he's falling down, he grabs her ankle. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is very entertaining. I found this all very funny to watch like their scuffle. And she, you know, scrapes herself um, on something on the building. And, you know, her whole sleeve is ripped till she falls down. He's pulling her down. He's falling. It's very mm. dramatic. So something else you notice as well is that while she's falling, her gun flies out of its holster. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, she's, she doesn't have her weapon now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he still has her, uh, his, uh, his sword. Yeah, his sword is still in its sheath. So. Something I adore is that when you see the, like, Kim get more scared... And then we have the, and then as Kim and Will get more scared, Lauren gets more confident. 
which raises the stakes even more. Are you like, because, no girl, get out of there? Yeah. <laughs> but Lauren's like, Lauren, there's nothing stopping her at this point. She's going to get him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Lauren is definitely, she's a determined person. She's brave and she is, you know, upset at murderers. She wants to stop them. <laughs> So they slam down on the floor and like you said, Lauren's pistol is, you know, on the ground, not with her. He's down on the floor and Lauren gets up first. Um, That's nice. And, but he's up pretty fast as well. You know, she, um, she does this like kind of kick towards him. He jumps up. (laughs) It's really funny. And she punches him in the face. I think she does get him, but then he takes the arm. It's like, it's just nice sequence. He takes the arm and starts like twisting her around, um, starts to punch her, looks like he pushes her against the wall. Okay. And, and she realizes she's like, oh crap, I dropped my gun earlier. Um, he'll kill me at this rate. But, you know, then she screams, moves away from the wall, does this, and then he kicks her and he kicks yeah. her mask off. And again, his leg is like incredibly extended. Um, just he can do like a split, basically. <laughs> and her mask flies off, and he starts to take his sword out. And then we have some narration. It says, "On that night, and there's this beautiful swoop of light. You could have killed me." And then we zoom in on Lauren's face. It's an intense look. It's a little bit of a I wouldn't necessarily call frightened, but I would say very filled with adrenaline. Yeah. And she does kind of like, no, okay, like he's taking his sword. And it says, but you hesitated. And we have this look of him also. It seems as though they're frozen in time and they've Mm -hmm. stopped. And now, you know, their their faces are bathed with light. It's really beautiful. And his eyes are also wide open and it's, and then they stopped. It's the first time we see his face properly. We haven't Aww. seen his eyes yet. We haven't really seen what he looks like up until this point. So I think this is again a good reveal. And that he looks so beautiful and magical. Yeah. So. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> yep. He's got gorgeous blue eyes. I'm a sucker for blue eyes. Anywho. <laughs> and she says, but and I didn't know why. And then you have this again, this still image of them staring into each other's eyes it's a little bit of a pre-romance moment in my opinion no when I read this I was like yes that's it that's the shit that's all I need I'm on board (laughs) yeah and he's got his his sword at her throat yeah and but which I didn't even notice the first you know if you if you scroll up right above mm-hmm. like on that night you could have killed me when he's pulling out that sword that swoosh of light is him swinging his sword Yikes. so this man is in the middle of swinging his sword at her but then you get this like he sees her face he sees her eyes and then but you hesitated and so this man literally was mid like death swing and then stopped just at her neck where it's just a little cut it's like biggest question i have about like him as a character other than some of the stuff we learned but the main one I have is why did he hesitate yeah okay let's let's finish this up and then let's talk about that so there's only a few panels left Mm -hmm. and you know it's just them staring at each other it's intense it's beautiful it's gorgeous 
And she says, I would, and I didn't know why. And if only I did, and then you get, you know, you go back to the man who was murdered with, and now you see the full image of the purple hyacinth bathed in blood. So you know that like this man has no compunctions about killing people. Everything would have been different. And that's that. And well, I guess we could also talk about the, uh, the authors have, instead of their heads, they put two other people there, which we'll find later. <laughs> uh, because apparently um, the one on the left um, won't spoil who that is he apparently in the original discover version of purple eyes and he was the one who was murdered oh yes 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 i did read that yeah. there and you see yeah. some blood on his head still mm-hmm. yeah. and um and what's their author's note here yeah we forgot to say it once what's their author's note is you know this is a start of a great love story when they literally fell so hard for each other mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. i don't know why they hesitated because we find out later that they met at a cafe first, right? That he saw her at the cafe. So you could say maybe he recognized her as the, that woman. But I know in the first version, they apparently didn't have that cafe scene. Nope, I don't think so. Oh, wait, did, this not, did that not happen yet? Sorry, I have a hard time keeping track. No, um, yeah, no, thing? that did happen. Yeah, that's happen. episode okay. one. Yeah, okay. this is episode two, so yeah. Um, yeah. One thing I also love about this is before that, from the bang of the gun, about a third of the way through up to right before her internal monologue about him hesitating is that intense music which also adds to that suspense that we were talking about earlier but then when it gets to this it becomes this beautiful piano theme which the names of it are awesome I don't remember all the names it's called the first song was called Fateful Encounter and the second one is From the Start so it's like <laughs> love from the start for sure or heartbreak or drama probably all love okay we had this discussion with food before and she mentioned the possibility of certain people's demise at the end i'm like not happening okay (laughs) i refuse you know nothing i'll rewrite the end myself if i have to and make myself forget the other one yeah. <laughs> sorry i'm back now i had to move locations because it's getting a bit loud inside but yeah what do you think um i feel like there's definitely a bit more to um kieran like or oh, crap uh to the assassin you might need to cut that out uh there's anything out no patience <laughs> oh well um there's definitely a lot more to the assassin hesitating on killing her um, than just a cafe scene. Hmm. Yeah. It's some people thought that he recognized her from somewhere else, though it doesn't seem like she recognizes him as like she doesn't know him at all. And oh, it's such a beautiful sequence with the transition between the panels with the sword and just. It's breathtaking, especially that first like good shot that we get of his face. He looks amazing. <laughs> so good. Like I know we've talked about this before, but they went hard on his design, and I appreciate that greatly. <laughs> the jawline, the eyes, the hair, the height, everything, the mannerisms, just like. Wow. <laughs> F knows what we want. Mm-hmm. And 
only if I did, only if she did know why he hesitated, everything would have been different. What What would have been different? Why? What would have been different? (laughs) What? What's going to happen? Why? We're like 85 episodes in and we have some theories now that about like why he hesitated, none of which we have any proof for. So, and we still don't know. That's the thing. I think they put this hair, they point this out. They have this whole thing because this is going to be like one of the big things that we learn in the story, (laughs) which means we're probably not going to learn what it is. To like the last episode. No, (laughs) I feel like it's either going to be something in season two finale or somewhere in season three. It's going to take so long. I, it's because it's set up so early, I feel like it may be a conversation between the two at the very end, because hopefully by the very end, they trust each mm-hmm. other and enough to like talk about this thing. And, and Lauren's like, why did you hesitate that night? And he, he just explains why. Huh? And I feel like it could also, it doesn't have to be something complicated. It could just be something like really simple, like Kieran just, oh crap, not again. <laughs> he just didn't want to, um, you know, kill her out of for whatever reason um love at first sight uh the theories i we can't get into it because yeah. spoilers but <laughs> but uh this isn't really a spoiler but i think i know one theory and this is, doesn't include anything that we learn she's like people are like oh what if she's saying this at like his grave or something i'm like no shut up no <laughs> not true i refuse Oh, I'm to turn my phone off. Why? Oh, you're good. Sorry. Why must you hurt me in this way? Picture the gift. You know the gift. What I always send of um little Ron Weasley from Potter Puppet Pals. Why must you hurt me in this way? That's just me every week whenever something happens to him or anything. I mean, I won't complain if it is that. Um, it's like she is talking to his grave at the end because it does seem like she is telling the story to someone like at the beginning of the narration like in the prologue it does Mm. seem like she's talking to someone and like so what if it is kieran's grave or some people think that like they might part ways at a train station or just part ways after all of this yeah like, with these tragic endings no, no. <laughs> and as we see this is not spoilers uh, like but we talked about parallels and interesting because we see similar narrations go on later as well and it's just like what do you mean sir what are you talking about what is going on i mean they shouldn't be dependent on one another and maybe by no. the end of the story it's like I'm personally not a fan of them splitting up but I do think that it is possible that um they will go their own separate ways I don't know I don't pretend to understand how F's brain works when she comes up with these plots like she keeps coming up with stuff that surprises us and only a few people know how this story ends including like I think one of her teachers in school yeah she yeah. sent <laughs> she like wrote some story right that was for the end that was like the end of ph and it was for some class i think it's the end english class or something but yeah it's just like but it's, it's also nice to know that they know how it ends because nothing is worse than when you see 
someone start a story and it goes really well but you can just tell as you get more into it or if it's like a series be it like movies books whatever that they have no clue where it's going <laughs> think yeah, like um... like star wars that oh, was blatant. Bundan, I think you and I are thinking of the same animated oh. TV show right now. <laughs> she, we got done dirty by Voltron, man. What do you want me to say? <laughs> we got done dirty. But yeah, no, it's just very unfortunate. So I'm glad that they have a vision for it goes. Not that people always need that. Some, some um, storytellers are really good at coming up with an ending with their own like stuff or like adding things that can that you knew weren't planned, but work well anyways. So, but just knowing that they know how it ends just makes me feel like, okay, they know exactly how it's going, where it's planned, it's meticulous. All the stuff that we even have in these first episodes that give us so many hints that we don't know yet because we don't know. But, you know, I, it makes me feel at ease with um, where the plot's going at least. And even if I'm hurt, I hope I'm at least satisfied with the story. I just, but I that being be said, I don't want him to die. I don't want him to die. He's my baby. Uh, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He needs I'm, to be protected. Mm-hmm. Not pro-tragic endings I'm, anymore. Yeah, that's, that's why I'm excited to see how PDH ends, even though I don't want it to because it's such a it's been such a magical ride so far. Mm-hmm. But um Self and F have said that it will likely be three seasons maybe four maybe five however long it takes for them to tell the story and like Bundan said that um, brings me to ease because I know they're not going to drag it out Um, they're going to take as long as they need and they're going to end it when it is right to end Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah well do we have anything else to say on this particular episode Mm, the ship is sailing and I'm on board for life. Yeah. <laughs> There's no getting off this thing, whether or not it's like a cruise ship, a stormy ship, the <laughs> Titanic. I don't care. I'm ride or die. Bundin. Well, yeah. You did the bare minimum of not killing her, and you're already like, let's board the ship. I've got to take and worse things, man. <laughs> I mean, not killing someone is like the bare minimum. <laughs> well, actually, do you guys read In the Bleak Midwinter? Yes. So yes, I do. I'm personally pro Yvonne because I like Yvonne. But yeah, no. yeah like he killed <laughs> Omega, kills her in like, no, what, it's Omega, right? Kills, Omega, yeah. yeah. Kills her in like the first time he sees her. So it can happen even when you kill someone. Yo, <laughs> I mean, she, the bar is on the floor. Like it's just... <laughs> and people are still failing it you know we just we love our webtoon protagonists that kill or attack their um the person that they're shipped with that being said i do agree with you because ivan is so good like he's just <laughs> uh, but beside that it's the enemies to lovers, man. I've read too much fan fiction. The enemies <laughs> to lovers. I was just so I made a whole presentation about the fanfic tropes and enemies to lovers. It's that good. And it's not like the typical enemies to lovers. And it's just super engaging and complex. And you have to kind of let it do its thing. You can't rush enemies to lovers. It's the slow burn. It's the slow burn. Very, very slow here. Yes. Mm snail's pace but i don't care it's gonna be worth it 
Um, so I think I want to end the recording here, but I do want to chat with you guys for um, afterwards. So yeah, do you sure. have anything else to say before we end this episode? Um, nope. Look forward to doing more. Yeah. Thank you so much to my current patrons, Susie, Lady Libris, Mary, Alley Cat, Chelsea, Lily, Jenny, Haley, One and Only Taco, Elizabeth, Maria, Molly, Veronica, Emily, another Emily, Joe Rochelle, and Dahlia. I really, really, really appreciate you.